0: Lord's good, and I'm thankful for all that He's doing. We've been out of the book of Acts for a few weeks. Remember Palm Sunday? We looked at the Palm Sunday paradoxes, all those things that didn't seem to make sense, but they clearly do make sense to us now because of God's Word. Easter Sunday, of course, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we focused on the resurrection our living hope that we have in Christ. And then last Sunday, I was, I was really wrestling because I wanted to preach this message that I'm going to to you today. I was going to preach to you last Sunday, but uh, the Lord didn't let me do that. You may think that sounds funny. Well, that's maybe because the Lord's never kept you from doing anything. But uh, if you've experienced that, you'll know what it's like. Uh, I was praying about what to preach, as I do every week, And often I plan out series in advance, and so I know where I'm going, but that's only where I'm going. I want to go where the Lord wants us to go. And so last week as I was praying um, and considering what the Lord would have us to do, so we looked at that message on the battle, the struggle of the flesh and the spirit. And if you didn't get to hear that, I would encourage you to do it, to go back and listen, not because um, I want you to listen to me, I think the truth from God's Word It will really help you with your daily life, because life is a struggle. And it's really neat how the Lord puts things together, because we're in Acts chapter 6, the second half of the chapter this morning, and I'll read from that in just a few minutes. But in Acts chapter 6, we're about to consider the story of a man who went through an incredibly difficult struggle. I love stories of people who have done great things. Do you like stories like that? I've read lots of books. I mean, as a boy, I remember reading books about Davy Crockett and William Travis and Sam Houston. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, I took my wife and we got away for a couple days, went to San Antonio. We went down there to the Alamo, you know, for Texans. That's like sacred grounds, you know, going to the Alamo and then going over to San Jacinto Monument, you know, all of us who love our Texas history and all of those things, and saw the statues of these different men and even the stories of some of the women who did incredible things there. I love the I love reading stories of of past presidents, you know, the stories of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln and all these others uh, men and women who who really worked in the early days of our country to. Help to make it what it is. I'm so thankful for the wisdom and foresight that they had in thinking through freedom and thinking through personal responsibility and things. I think even as we continue to go forward, we ought to be even more thankful for them because we see a lot of those things being kind of chipped away at in our day that we live in today. I love reading stories of even like sports and af- athletes and things like that and great teams who have won competitions. But I think some of my favorite stories are stories of missionaries, men and women who sometimes lived very obscure lives, would not be known by anybody else really outside of the place where they served. Some came to more, well, more large renown over time. But, for example, have you ever heard of a lady by the name of Mary Slessor? lady who went and served the Lord for many years and preached the gospel. Or what about a guy by the name of William Carey? William Carey went to India as a missionary from England when the churches in England, for the most part, wanted nothing to do with sending missionaries. They said, we we, we shouldn't be sending missionaries. Those are just heathens over there. And William Carey said, well, who's going to tell him who's going to go? And uh, in time, God called William Carey to go. Or what about a guy by the name of Adoniram Judson? Ever heard of him? He went and served the Lord in in what was known as Burma at the time, now known as Myanmar. I could go on. There are many great men and women of the faith. What, What about David Livingston who went to Africa? in fact, you know, David Livingston, while he was known for being a great missionary, he's also known for being a great explorer and opened up much of Africa and explored places and mapped out things that had never even been put on a map before. I love those stories. I even love great business stories. You know, reading about different business pioneers and people who did successful things like Ray Kroc. Everybody knows who Ray Kroc was, right? Started McDonald's. Yeah, You thought it was Mr. McDonald that started McDonald's, but it wasn't. You learned about him this morning. You have to read a book on him to learn more about it. Or how about uh, some of the guys, ones still living today, like Warren Buffett, you know, this guy who's this investor and does all these things. Steve Jobs, we know, Apple Computers. We may not always respect everything about these people, but I think we can see that some of them have had great success in various ways in life. One of the things I would tell you, though, as I continue to get a little bit older, is that when I read those kinds of stories, I find myself enjoying not so much what they did, because they all did different things, and those are pretty interesting. But the more interesting thing to me, even than what they did, is how they did it and why they did it. Because you and I all live different lives. I mean, you didn't wake up at my house this morning. There's only a couple people here that did. The rest of you, you woke up in your own place. You drove your own vehicle. You'll leave from this place. A few of you may go out to eat at the the same place. A few of you may even stay here and eat with us. But most of you are going to go scatter around. You're going to go see family. You're going to go to a restaurant. You're going to go home. And then the rest of this week, you'll be wherever you're going to be, working, going to school, going to the doctor, right? Whatever you're going to do this week. We all live different lives. And the way those things will look in our life is going to be different because we have different opportunities. There's different people with different jobs, people from different backgrounds with different languages, different educational levels. You have different economic opportunities. We're all different. So what these great people did is not as interesting, I think, as how and why they did it. Because there may be some things you look at and say, well, I could never do that because I haven't had that opportunity. Or I could never go there because I don't have the right connections. But when you study great people, you can learn how and why they did what they did. And they're often great principles to emulate, to learn, not maybe how to go start the next chain of burger restaurants that everybody's going to eat at, but just to learn how they were successful in what they did and how you can be successful in what you want to do. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about business leaders or anything else this morning. We're going to get into the book of Acts. Because here in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6, we're going to talk about a man who Did something extremely great. His name was Stephen. And next week, you're going to see what Stephen is often remembered for the fact that Stephen gave his life for the cause of Christ. We call that being a martyr. But I would tell you this this morning that Stephen was not great because he was a martyr. Stephen was great because of how he lived his life. And the way he lived his life resulted in him being willing to give his life for the faith. But his greatness didn't lie in the fact that he died for his faith. His greatness really lied in the fact that he lived out his faith. And you and I may or may not be called to give our lives for our faith and lose our life. But we've all been called to serve God with the life that He's given us. In fact, Romans chapter 12 tells us that we are to be living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. So this morning as we get into this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 6, I'm going to ask you to take a good, hard look in the mirror of God's Word. The book of James calls God's word a mirror. It says, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, right? And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man, the Bible says, shall be blessed in his deed. I think we would all say, well, I want to be blessed. I want to be successful. But your success and my success may look very different. But I would present to you this morning that while success may look different, the path to success, the principles that guide it, really are the same. If it's true success, that's pleasing to the Lord. Acts chapter 6, let's begin reading in verse number 8. Acts 6 verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith And power did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they, these were the disputers, were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he, Stephen, spake. Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They paid some people off to go and spread lies about him. They stirred up the people, and the elders and the scribes, and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place, In the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. Let's stop there. Stephen is one of the great ones. He's one that God used in a powerful way, and we're still talking about his life today. This morning we will consider Stephen's character even in the face of great opposition. Bob Jones Sr. once said, The strength of your character can be measured by what it takes to stop you. What does it take to stop you? What would it take to stop you from doing the right thing? Some of you say, well, not much because I'm not even doing the right thing now, right? Right? But if you were doing the right thing, what would it take to stop you from doing and continuing on in the right thing? For some, it's just the fear of humiliation or embarrassment. For others, it's just the threat of losing personal comfort. Some are stopped by just the mildest of threats. We live in a day today where most churches are shrinking in fact some churches who closed down last year will never open again We, we, a couple of our men had a conversation with somebody this week who said my church closed down because of COVID last year during that time the pastor moved away and as far as this individual knows he said I don't think our church will ever reopen the problem is that's not just a isolated incident that's happening all over the place and it's not just in america it's happening all over the world you say well i thought we're sitting in a church that we just celebrated four years we're a new church there's another new church we're helping to start you know brother donnie's preaching over in beaumont today and there's a church getting going over there isn't that exciting it is but you know what We could start a hundred new churches this year and not even come close to keeping up with all the churches that are going to close their doors this year. That's the sad reality. Now, does that mean we just quit and pack up our bags and go home? No. No, because God's called us to continue to serve Him until Jesus comes back. There's not just the sort of those big... Challenges out there of churches closing or financial struggles that people are having or the economy being what it is or even the health concerns that are probably the most real and present threat that we've ever experienced in our modern era. We live in a world today where the only constant seems to be change. So how will you live? How can you be successful in a world like that? Do you sit down over here and just say, well, it is what it is. I'll just try to make my life as comfortable as I can and hang on and wait till Jesus comes back. Or has God called us to be in the world, but not of the world, to be pressing the fight, not sitting down on the sidelines, to be in the battle for the Lord. I believe God's called us to continue to go forward for Him. So as we examine the story of Stephen, you'll learn and be challenged by this man who lived out his faith. Did Stephen still have struggles? Absolutely. But he lived it out loud in public And he paid the ultimate price. First off, if you have notes and you're filling in the blanks this morning, we see the witness of Stephen. The witness of Stephen. Notice again in verse 8 it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power. Now if you follow along this morning, it's going to be kind of broken up over the points, but you're going to see four different things that Stephen was full of. And I think these areas that he was full up in are incredibly important. In fact, they are the keys to why Stephen was able to do what he did. Because as we study this together this morning, you're going to see, it wasn't that Stephen was so great. It was that he served a great God. Because you can look at your situation and say, well, I'm not much. I'm not very great. I can't do it. If you serve God, Jehovah, the Lord God, the creator of the universe, then greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God always wins. And when you're with God, you're on the winning side. It says, Stephen was full of faith. That's the first thing, letter A in your notes. He was full of faith. I went back just because... I enjoy this study, and I looked up that word full in the Greek. Do you know what it means? It means full. It means filled up with room for nothing else. His life was characterized by being full of faith. Like in other words, if you were to bump up against Stephen, faith would just spill out because he was full of faith. Stephen wasn't living a life governed by fears of what, or what ifs or what could happen. Stephen was walking forward by faith. He was full of faith. And it says he was also full of power. He was so full of faith and of power that he had no room to be filled with anything else. To be full of faith means that his choices were based on faith in God not on the circumstances around him. Amen. A lot of people make choices sort of in the heat of the moment based on what's happening around them. But when you're full of faith, as Paul wrote, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Right? Because right? you're full of faith. The rest of these things don't matter. I know who I am, and I know who I believed, and I know that He's going to keep me until the end. Therefore, I can walk forward by faith, trusting the Lord, and not live my life according to the present-day circumstances that I'm facing. Has it bothered anybody else over the past year that you've realized, even though you might have known it in the back of your mind, but you've seen it on full display in our society, how much people are just governed by fear and by whatever the present-day circumstance is? Every single day it seemed like you were hearing a different story or hearing a different idea about how to deal with the present day circumstance and I understand people didn't know they were trying to figure it out but what bothered me during this time was not that people were trying to figure it out it bothered me that there seemed to be a prevailing there seems to be a prevailing attitude in our society where nobody ever wants to admit that they're wrong and they really don't have the answers. They're just sort of figuring it out as they go. Now, as a Christian and as somebody who studies God's Word, I don't claim to have every single answer to every problem. I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers for all the medical challenges. I don't have all the answers for all the financial struggles. I have ideas. I have opinions. I have things that I think are informed and right. But here's what ought to change for the believer. Instead of living your life just based on all the crazy circumstances around you, live your life by faith. That means I know where I'm looking. I know where I'm headed. I know where my focus is. I know what I'm living for every day. And so no matter what happens around me, even though I'm not sure of everything else, I'm sure of this one thing. I'm sure of who God is and what He's done for me. And I'm sure of His Word. And I can stand confidently on His truth. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And when you live like He's in charge... Instead of living like, well, I don't know, who knows, God, God, what are we going to do? You'll live a life of fear, you'll live a life of struggle, and probably you'll live a life of insignificance. (laughs) You know, Stephen, we don't know how old he was when this all took place. But clearly from this story in the book of Acts, Stephen's ministry did not go on for very long. He had a very brief ministry. Greatness in life is not measured by necessarily how long you do what you do. Even though we say being faithful to something is good. I understand that. I'm not putting that down in any way. But greatness is not so much about how long you do something, but if you're faithful to do the thing that God wants you to do in the moment. See, faithfulness is not just measured out over a span of years. Faithfulness is also measured out moment by moment, day by day. Think about it. If God wants you, let, let, just visualize this with me. If God wanted you here, right where I'm standing, but for a while you were spending your time over here, well, when the time comes and God's ready for you to be there and you're standing over here, you're missing out on what God wants for you. You're missing out on His plan for your life because you're so busy living over here And all God wanted, He wanted you faithful here. But the reason you left this point is because after a while you said, you know, it looks better over there. I'm tired of living here. This is boring. Nothing great seems to be happening. This is hard. This is difficult. But if you know it's where God has put you, if you know you're living in obedience to God's Word, then don't get over here and start living over here and thinking that it's going to get better. Because guess what will happen? You'll miss out on being where God wants you to be and and when He wants you to be there. He was full of faith. Hebrews 11, often known as the hall of faith, right? Verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And and the past few weeks, studying out the life of Stephen, verse 2 of Hebrews 11 jumped out at me in a way that I've never really considered before. Look at verse 2 of Hebrews 11. It says, For by it, by what? By faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Why is there such a good report about who Stephen was and what he did? It was because of his faith. It was because of his faith. Stephen was full of faith. You say, where does faith come from? It comes from God. It comes from God. You say, well, how do you get faith? Well, your faith in God grows the more you know about God. It's hard to trust somebody that you don't know. I had a conversation with somebody this week, and I said, what do you know about God? Well, not very much. It's hard to trust in somebody that you don't know. Like if some of you, it's your first time here today. You don't know me. I don't know you. Why should you trust me? Just because I stand up in front and tell people to trust me? Well, people have been doing that for a long time and stealing their money and doing all kinds of other things, right? You can't trust somebody just because of where they stand. You can't trust somebody just because... They're on TV or just because other people are listening to what they say. The way you really build trust in somebody is because you know who they are. And my friend, this morning, God has given us everything we need to be able to get to know Him. It's right here. But we neglect it. Why? Well, it's too hard, too boring. Listen, you're not always exciting either, (laughs) but but getting to know you takes time, it takes effort, right? And if you really love somebody, you're willing to invest and get to know them. Why? Because not everything about somebody is exciting. It's just not. You say, well, all that history, all all those names, all that stuff in the Bible, that's just not that exciting to me. You're learning about God's character. You're learning about God's nature. You're learning how God interacts with people. And there's a lot that God wants to teach you about Himself through those passages of Scripture. The problem isn't that well, God's just not exciting enough. No. The problem is we don't love Him enough. I don't love my wife because she's the most exciting woman in the whole world. I love her because I know her, and I spend time with her, and I've made commitments to her. Now, I think she's pretty exciting. I think she's pretty great. And you know what happens? The better you know somebody, if it's a real loving relationship, the more excited you get about that person. I remember as a kid, and bear with me, all right, but I think this will help us make the point. I remember as a kid watching older couples walk around holding hands. And I think, as a teenager. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> oh, oh, what's wrong? Well, you, know, ugh. you know, guess what, teenagers? You'll get to look in the mirror a few, few years, and you'll be an old person too. Here's the thing. What's outside changes, but the more you get to know somebody, the more you grow in love for them. And you're not so much motivated by just the outward appearance. You're motivated by what's inside because you know them. And you love them. Teenager, your parents don't love you because you're so lovely and beautiful either. They love you because you're their child and they care about you. God loves you the same way. In fact, He loves you even more than that. He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son to die in your place. That's great love. As you walk in that love and as you walk in the truth, you too can grow in your faith and live a life full of faith. What do you believe that God can do? If I were to ask that in church on Sunday morning, what can God do? What would people say? Well, God can do anything. In fact, like the song says, He can do anything but fail, right? God God always wins. He's always victorious. Victory in Jesus. So if you believe God can do anything, then why aren't you trusting Him with the little thing that you're dealing with right now? If God is big enough to save you from your sin, if God's big enough to speak the world into existence, then why are you walking around holding on to things and thinking, well, I don't think I could trust God with this. Your faith is demonstrated by your actions. Someone who's full of faith lives differently. How does your faith, filling your life, change the way that you live? It's often clear for many that they don't have much faith, and it's clear because of their actions. They don't live like it. He was full of faith. Number two, he was full of power. What is stopping you? i just not strong. I just can't do it. If you're continuing to give control of your life to the Holy Spirit by walking in faith and in obedience to God's Word, there is nothing that can stop you from accomplishing God's plan. Stephen was filled with power because he was full of the Holy Spirit. Talked about it last week, the wrestling of the flesh against the Spirit. Stephen was full of the Spirit. So, say, well, how do you know that? Well, you're in Acts chapter 6, right? Go back to verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And then jump down to verse 5. The saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose. Who's the first one they chose? Stephen. Why did they choose Stephen? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Stephen's power was not in himself. Stephen's power was in the Spirit of God. So many people will not serve God faithfully, will not do great things. They succumb to their own low expectations or the low expectations of this world. They've condemned themselves to a life of insignificance for the Lord because they say, I'm not strong enough. And they're absolutely correct. But God is strong enough. His power is enough. Remember when Jesus gave His great commission to His disciples? Before He commissioned them, what did He say? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Why don't we go? Well, because I'm not strong. I I don't have the words to say. I don't have enough power. You've been given the power. You're just not accessing it. Say, how do you access the power of God? The Bible says, walk in the Spirit How do you walk in the Spirit? You walk in obedience to the Word of God. The more you read it, study it, and then say, all right, God's Word says this, I need to do that then. I need to obey it. You will begin to see and to sense the leading of the Spirit in your life. You'll begin to experience what it's like to be able to share Christ with others and see God work through you. I remember the first time getting to share the gospel with somebody and seeing them get saved. You say, wow, I didn't even think I said everything right. You know, I read a story one time. It was of D.L. Moody. He was a preacher many years gone by in Chicago. And he took a trip over to England, I think Great Britain, somewhere over there. He was just trying to get away. He felt burnt out. He felt weak. He felt tired. He just said, "I I need a break. And so he went over there and he slipped in the back of this little church in the countryside one Sunday morning. Nobody knew he was coming. And when the pastor got up to preach, he looked back, and in the back of the room, there sat the great D.L. Moody. And the pastor said, Well, wow, it's such a, a pleasure to have D.L. Moody, the great preacher from America, here with us this morning. Brother Moody, why don't you come up and preach for us this morning? D.L. Well, Moody, he, he didn't want to do that. He wasn't planning to do that, but he felt like he should. And so he got up, and he came from the back, and he, and he preached this message, this gospel message, Well, little did he know, but there there had been a young lady in that same town who'd been praying for weeks and for months for God to send revival to her little town in her little church. And that Sunday morning when D.L. Moody got up and he preached the gospel, feeling very weak in and of himself, the historians record for us that when he gave the invitation at the end of the service asking if people wanted to trust Christ, so many people came forward that it surprised him. And so, D.L. Moody, because he thought there's no way I'm weak, I'm, strong. he actually sat them all back down. And he said, "If you're really serious about this, come back later this afternoon." You say, "Man, what was wrong with D.L. Moody? I mean, you had all these people ready to be saved. Why didn't you just lead them on, the Lord?" He was feeling very weak, so he sent them all home. And the story goes, later that afternoon when he came back to the church, the line waiting to meet him was very, very long. All these people had come. So Moody brings them all in, and he preached the whole message to them all over again. And they all responded again, We want to be saved. He said, I don't think you really understand. And they, Moody, and they said, Yes, we do understand. Let us trust Christ. We want to be saved. It wasn't too long after that that the pastor took D.L. Moody down to meet that little girl who had been praying. You see, we look at somebody like D.L. Moody and say, wow, he was a great preacher. I mean, he started the great Moody Church. and Even to this day, you used to have Moody Press. You have all these, Moody Radio. There's all these things with his name on it. He must have been a great man. No, know, what made him great was the God that was in him, the Holy Spirit's power. What made Stephen great wasn't because he was such a just a strong, awesome guy. No, it's because he walked in the Spirit. He was full of faith. He was full of power. What are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your time with? What are you filling up your day with? If you're filling it with a bunch of junk if you're filling it with a bunch of distractions, if you're filling it with a bunch of things that do not have eternal value, then don't be surprised when you are not full of power. He was full of faith. He was full of power. And we'll see this even more next week, but I want to at least make the point this week, he was full of the Word of God. He was full of... Of the word of God. We're going to look at Stephen's message next week. But we can see from his message that Stephen preached that Jesus Christ had fulfilled the pictures of the Old Testament ceremonies. All these religious things that the Jews had done for thousands of years. They were all pointing towards Jesus. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that. Stephen knew that. How did he know that? Because he was full of the word of God. He'd been studying the scriptures. Stephen had a view of the church and Christian worship that surpassed many. They couldn't understand it. In fact, when they tried to come against him, it says in verse 10 of Acts 6, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Why? Because he was full of the word of God. He was full of the power of God. He was full of faith in God. Number two in your notes, the warring against Stephen. Here's the reality. When you speak the truth in God's power, you will face spiritual opposition. You say, well, that sounds nice. That's what happened to Stephen. Do you mean that could happen to me? Yes. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, promised that it would happen to you. He said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. As Stephen is preaching, as he's doing these signs and wonders, as this work is going forward, it says, There arose, in verse 9, certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. It's amazing. There were Jews who had come from all over the world. To Jerusalem. The synagogue was a place where, the, where the, those who followed Judaism would come together and they would read the law of God back and forth to each other. They would often have somebody teaching the law to other people. And so the, this synagogue, it says, of the Libertines, you could call them the freedmen. These were people who had been enslaved in other parts of the Roman Empire And somehow they'd been set free from their slavery and they came back to Jerusalem. They established a synagogue. Why? Because they all had something in common. They'd all been slaves. And they didn't want to hang out with the people who hadn't been slaves because they just couldn't relate. You know, that's the way this world thinks about things. If we were following things according to the ways of this world, most of you shouldn't be here at this church this morning. Because you don't live in the right neighborhood. Because your skin color is different. Because you speak with an accent. Because you're different. But the reality is, we're all one in Christ. We're not here today because we're all different. We're here today because we're all one in Christ. But the followers of Judaism, they they were split up. You know, we know the stories of the Jews and the Samaritans. Here we got the Libertines, the ones from Asia. Got to watch out for them, right? No. We're all one in Christ. So when Stephen gets up and he's preaching and speaking the truth, the people didn't like it. They were disputing against him. They couldn't withstand. So what did they do? Well, they lied about him. Because if you can't stop the truth head on, you just tell lies and try to tear down the person. They couldn't stand against his message, so they tried to tear him down personally. So they hired some guys to go out and begin to tell lies about him. They said, this man is blasphemed against Moses and against God. Well, if you're a, a person who follows the Jewish faith, I mean, blaspheming against Moses and against God, that's two worse things. Then later, they even said, he's trying to change the customs which Moses delivered to us. They even misquote Jesus. Verse number 14, they said that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place, talking about the temple, and shall change the customs which Moses delivered to us. Jesus never said he would destroy that temple. Jesus said, I'll destroy this temple. He was talking about his own body. And in fact, Jesus didn't say, I will destroy this. He said, you will destroy this temple. And three days later, I will raise it up again. When people can't stand against your character and stand against your message, they'll just tell lies about you. Don't be surprised. It's not a new thing. They did it to Jesus. They did it to Stephen. They might do it to you. But notice how these lies work. They paid some guys to go around and tell lies about them. And what happened? Verse 12, it says, And they stirred up the people. Everybody got stirred up. They got emotional. Oh, have you heard? Oh, did you see on the news? Oh, did you read this email? Oh, did you see what happened? Oh, did you know this happened? Oh, I heard this. I saw a news clip. I saw it on TikTok. It must be true. Right? That's where people live today too, don't they? Can I encourage you this morning? This is a little bit of a side point. Don't get stirred up about every little thing that you see on the news or every little thing that you hear about. Make sure it's true before you get stirred up about it. I'm just telling you, we like to get on. If if it feels good, it seems good, it seems like it might be true to us, oh, I'll share that. I want everybody to see that. Don't share things that you don't know are true. I've seen so many Christians making fools of themselves over the last year. Oh, they're getting on something, sharing things, and there's like a, that's not even true. And here's the challenge for us. Well, How do I know what's true? Well, we know the Word of God is true. And there's a lot of things in this world that I think we may or may not really know exactly what is going on or not going on. Stop worrying about the things that you don't know and trust God. Trust God. I'm not saying be, a, be, a, be ignorant. I'm just saying be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Don't let yourself get stirred up about the next big thing. Be stirred up about the work of God. So many people are stirred up about so many other things. They're not doing the work of God. These people all got stirred up, and it was all over a bunch of lies. And they came upon him, it says, and they caught him and brought him to the council. That word, to catch him, it's like they grabbed him and dragged him away. In fact, later on in the book of Acts, Luke uses the same word to describe a ship that's caught up in a storm. Can you imagine? You can can picture this, right? Here's a mob. They get stirred up, man. Look what are you saying? They're chanting, "No more Stephen!" You know, Stephen's a blasphemer. Stephen is a wicked guy, and so they all come down and they just grab him and drag him off to the council. I mean, man, what a situation Stephen's put in. He hadn't even done anything wrong. He was preaching the truth. In fact, he was quoting to them the scriptures that they claimed to believe themselves. There was a warring against Stephen. They. That the synagogue, they then hired informants. They stirred up the people. But finally this morning, I want you to see finally the wonder of Stephen. The wonder of Stephen. Look at verse 15. and It says, and all that sat in the council. These are all these people that were against him. The people were stirred up. They believed the lies. Some of them had spread the lies. But it says, they all sat in the council looking steadfastly on him, saw his face. As if it had been the face of an angel. The face of an angel. What gave Stephen the face of an angel? Letter A, I would say he had grace under pressure. When he got squeezed, when he was pushed, when he was accused, when he was lied about, grace came out. How did Stephen have so much grace? Stephen had been faithful all along. Stephen was faithful day by day, even when it was easy to be faithful. Somebody say, well, someday when it really counts, then I'll stand up and be faithful. No, you won't. If you couldn't do when it was easy, you won't do when it's hard. You won't do when it's hard. And folks, I'll say this too. This last year has been challenging. But if you read the history books, it wasn't hard. Not like really hard. Were there hard things? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you go back and read of some of the plagues and some of the wars and some of the awful things that have gone on on this earth because of sin and wickedness and pride. This last year was actually not hard in comparison to some of those things. Was it hard for us? Yes. But there could be much harder things. If we struggle to be faithful this past year, we're not ready for what's coming next. He had grace under pressure. We know He had great grace. Why? Going back to Acts 4, verse 33, the Bible says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was Upon them all, the fullness of grace that Stephen exhibited was an indication that he was a Christ-like man. He walked with the Lord. I love what John 1, verse 14 says this, And the Word was made flesh. That's Jesus. And He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. As of the only begotten of the Father, notice the next few words, full of grace. What happened when they reviled Jesus? The Bible says He reviled not again. What happened when they called Jesus' names? He didn't yell back at them and curse back at them. They cursed Him. They told lies about Him. Jesus humbly went to the cross. Why? Because he was full of grace. Jesus understood that God had a plan for his life. Jesus is God. And Jesus lived out that plan perfectly. My friend, God has a plan for you. Teenager, God has a plan for you. Senior adult, God... Still has a plan for you. He's not done with you yet. I'm convinced that His plan for you is much more than just to worry. Young person, God's plan is much bigger for you than just watching the next silly video or passing the next level on your video game. It's bigger than that. Moms, God has a plan for your kids. And I know it's tough day by day at home. I got to experience that the last three. So thankful for Shandy. It's tough when you're, maybe some of you dads are doing the same thing. It's tough. Keep doing the right thing. Because God has a plan for your children. And all that you're pouring into them, the truth, the love, pointing them to Christ, it'll help them. It'll help them. It won't always feel like it's helping. They may have bad attitudes. I have a bad attitude sometimes. There was a moment yesterday, some things had happened, and I picked up the phone and called Brother Larry. And I said, Brother Larry, I just need to talk to somebody about this. I said, I'm having a bad attitude. And I said, pray with me about it. I need to be right. We all struggle. It's real. We can defeat the power of Satan through the sword of the Spirit. We can stand like Stephen did if we'll live a life full of faith, full of power, full of the Word of God and full of grace. What are you full of this morning? What are you full of? If You get banged, if you get bumped, what comes out? If you find out some difficult thing is taking place in your life, you, you're going to lose your job, you're, you're going to have to move, family members are out to get you, Something's going to happen at a national or state level that's going to affect your day-to-day life. And that pressure comes. And it will. What's going to come out? What comes out will be whatever you're full of. And the reason things are coming out that you're not really proud of, you're trying to keep it all in, keep your happy church face on, But the reason that other stuff's coming out is because the reality is that's what you're actually full of. That's what I'm full of too. Oh, That's hard to admit. So I said, Larry, pray for me. I just need to talk to you about it because I'm struggling. And we prayed and we worked through it. We're good. My problem wasn't with Larry. I don't know if I could ever have a problem with Larry. But I called him because I knew he'd pray with me and encourage me about it. Whatever's inside you, whatever you're full of, that's what's going to come out. If you're not happy with what's coming out this morning, I would invite you as we finish the service to come to the Lord. The Bible says this, if we confess our sin, He, the Lord, is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to go walking around with a stiff stiff upper lip like, I'm just going to do it. No, Confess it to Him. Get it out. It's what's in you. You need to fill up something else in its place. So put off the old man. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then put on, fill up with faith, with power, with the Word, and with grace. Would you commit with me this morning to doing that? Friend, it's a daily process. Because life is tough. You're going to go home. Life is like a road, a Houston road full of potholes, right? And as you're going down that road, stuff's going to just be jiggling out and bouncing out wherever you go. And so when you get home, when you get through the day, when you finish a week, you may feel empty, half empty. Other people are constantly throwing things your way and stuff gets in that shouldn't be in. So you've got to consciously ask the Lord, confess, ask Him to help you, fill yourself with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the power of God, your faith in God, and the grace of God, and then step out again by faith to continue to serve Him. That's a daily, constant process that we must all walk in together. Would you bow your heads with me? The piano's going to, Be played here in just a moment. Remember at the beginning of the service, I said, I want you to take a good, hard look at yourself in the mirror of God's Word today. As you've looked in the mirror, what have you seen? Does it look good? pretty good or there are things Pastor Will if I'm honest there's some things that need to change I couldn't stand like Stephen stood I couldn't do what he did in fact even when little things come along in my life the stuff that's coming out it's not good there might not be anybody else here in this room that even knows about it just you but God knows about it confess it to him Come to Him, get the help from His Word, and let's get back on track. Let's get back in the place where God wants you to be, to be able to experience the blessing, to see God do His work in and through you. He has a plan for your life. Father, help us now. I pray. We need You. We need You every day. We need You every hour, but we need You right here in this moment, right in this day that we're living in. Lord, you know the people's hearts far better than I do. You even know my heart. But I would like to pray the prayer of the psalmist David in Psalm 139 this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. If you would pray that prayer to the Lord this morning, I believe God will show you, show you the next step that you need to take. Lord, help us now. In Jesus' name I pray.